If you enjoy listening to Voices in Cloud, check out David Linthicum's reports on gigaohm.com. They're about data complexity and cloud solutions, addressing many of the topics covered in this podcast series. Hey guys, welcome to the GigaOM Voices in Cloud podcast. This is the one place where you'll hear from industry thought leaders providing no-nonsense advice on how to succeed with cloud computing, IoT, edge computing, and cognitive computing. I'm Dave Lenthic, I'm best-selling author, speaker, executive, and B-Lips geek, and your host today on the Voices in the Cloud Voices in Cloud podcast. And joining me today is a special guest with Cloud Health, John McLaughlin. How are you doing, John? Good. How are you doing, David? So give us the John McLaughlin story. I mean, you guys are kind of near and dear to my heart because you're right around the corner and was working at Cloud Technology Partners. Um, what do they call that, Fort Point? Is that, or is that, uh, what was the, you know, kind of title of the neighborhood? Fort Point? Yeah, Fort Point, uh, the seaport, Fort Point, definitely is sort of hot, kind of up and coming right now. Well, tell us what you do at Cloud Health. Oh, yeah. So my job over here is to be a director of product strategy. So... What I've been doing over the last few years here is kind of driving towards uh, how we migrate different workloads across lots of uh, places, be it you know Amazon, Azure, GCP, the data center, and all the way up from serverless technology down to bare metal servers. How do we organize all that and make the world a better place? Okay. Uh, tell me specifically, like what's the day, what's a day like for uh, John McLaughlin? What are you typically doing? Yeah, so uh, I wish I could say that my day was not rich with meetings, but it is. A lot of what I do is synthesizing all the different capabilities across uh, Cloud Health and VMware into a strategy that represents sort of a one to three year horizon. And so the goal is to meet with customers and prospects, uh, bring together information from architects and technology leaders, third parties who we might integrate with, and then obviously the the capabilities of the VMware portfolio into a, a story that works for how we want to go forward in the next few years. So moving, I, I guess, moving kind of into the topics that we're looking to talk about today, um, you know, one would be multi-cloud. I just did a couple of articles on multi-cloud computing and the growth in multi-cloud. And of course, you know, there's right scale, state of the cloud report. There's a bunch of analyst reports out there and some of the reports that we've done at GigaOM around the growth of multi-cloud. And wherever you look, it seems to be the fact that the new normal is going to be plural public clouds. Uh, sometimes private clouds are there, and sometimes it's private cloud analogs, such as mainframe systems. We're getting into some pretty complex waters, you know, as we're building these multi-cloud-based systems. And I'm doing it a lot right now. I'll probably have a couple of projects, a couple of projects going at the moment, all multi-cloud, typically dealing with multiple public cloud brands and sometimes private clouds and mainframe computers and things like that. So is there any end in sight, or is this something that's going to be the new normal in terms of how cloud computing is morphing? Yeah, I think what we're seeing, uh, based on sort of just pulling our, our you know, customer base, is that it is the new normal, that, um, that there's reasons, be them technical or logistical or otherwise, for companies to utilize different technologies from different places. And it's a lot like, I think, what we saw early on in the data center days, where you know, you, you picked up a different piece of open source software, a piece of proprietary software, and you, you started having, you know, the same thing, but in different packages, and then they got more specialized into what they do. I think what we see in the public cloud and the private clouds is something very similar, where, you know, if you want a Kubernetes solution, or if you want a certain type of NoSQL database, 
um, you want to go to different places to kind of get that capability the way that you want it. And uh, so we see it more and more, basically. So what, what's the motivation? Is it monetary? Is it keeping, um, you know, keep, keeping uh, options open? Is it best to breed technology? Because the trade-off is going to be complexity. We're dealing with very complex environments. We have, you know, multiple storage solutions, multiple compute solutions, multiple governance solutions, multiple security solutions, things like that. So why are we making this move? Yeah, I think I think what I saw or what we've been seeing happen has been uh, even with a single cloud, you're starting to see sort of that complexity grow. Um, and the leverage that you get, uh, so the, the answer sort of in order I would give would be uh, best of breed technology, right? Picking the tools that your developers want to work on that have the scale and performance that you need for a workload type. Uh, secondarily, uh, monetary influence is not nothing. Um, a lot of, uh, especially enterprise customers, have agreements, existing agreements with uh, vendors who uh, they can use to leverage better pricing for sure. Um, so I think those two things are both factors. But I think one of the key factors, though, has been sort of the rise of, of nicheness of, of the clouds and what they operate on, right? So if, if Amazon is a 800-pound uh, gorilla for a lot of things, that's fine, but but Azure and Google have um, special offerings that um, that are cutting edge, right? And and people want to take advantage of things like TensorFlow or Cosmos DB and and some of these other technologies. So I see it as a one-two punch. But um, because the rising complexity of running any public cloud was already um, hitting the threshold of when you needed smart software to make your decisions, uh, it's not, it, the cognitive hit to go to more clouds as long as software is there to support you, um, it just gives you an advantage. So one of the things I'm noticing with the rise of multi-cloud is also the rise of complexity and the, the goodness and lots of the badness that comes along with that. So what are you guys doing to provide solutions in dealing with complexity at Cloud Health? Yeah, I think it starts at the base level of, of proper classification, right? And so when you, when you look at it in an environment in a, in a cloud context, you're just not breaking it up in the ways that teams have to operate on an application, right? They're just thinking about it from a, well, this is one pool of servers uh, that's a service that I offer as a cloud. Uh, we break it up into, well, this is application one that represents the efforts of these five developers, and this is application two, uh, you know, et cetera. And so I think when you, when you change the context in your mind of, it should be about me and my application, um, a lot of things change in how you operate on the data that you're given. And what we do is, you know, some basic things, right? It, it, the idea is identifying waste, um, be that uh, technology waste or cruft from governance, right? If, you, if you're leaving things around that aren't useful anymore, be them financial or not, right? If you have security groups that aren't doing anything, then you have to scroll through those things to go figure it out. But then also looking at things like security, right? What's the posture of a production application versus a developer's environment. Um, how do you maintain that standard and, and go forward with that standard? And then, obviously, you know the fiscal things. You know things that do cost money. Um, you know uh, they come in all different shapes and forms in the in the public cloud world, especially. Uh, so you need to have something that knows and understands and has to recommend for you, kind of exactly what you need to know to be the the both between scale and efficiency that sweet spot that equals value. So what have you seen around public cloud adoption? You know, this year, let's just time box it between January and now. Uh, what have you guys seen occurring? What's kind of some of the new patterns? What are some of the existing patterns? What's happening out there in the world? 
Yeah, so we've seen an acceleration uh, into multi-cloud, especially among individual uh, public cloud users, right? And so um, that that has been surprising, um, you know, that, that that adoption, that migration strategy has has taken root and is moving very quickly because I think um, in the market, what we're seeing is that enterprises, even private cloud enterprises are saying, um, I need some burst capacity in my environment. And in the public cloud, they're saying, look, I, I wanna do, I wanna be able to perform uh, continuity, you know, be able to move my workloads well across things. So I think the first trend that we're seeing is uh, people who are classically a single public cloud player um, picking up a second cloud. Now, uh, what we haven't seen a lot of is somebody picking up like all the public clouds. Uh, generally, what we're seeing as the trend this year, at least, is um, going from a single public cloud or a single private cloud to either a multi-public cloud or a private plus public cloud orientation. What's a private plus public cloud? So, so when you look at something like that, you think of like, um, be it a uh, vSphere's, you know, uh, vCloud Foundations, uh, an OpenStack, uh, an Azure Stack, uh, uh, you know, OpenShift, what, whatever, you know, uh, 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 Pivotal Cloud Foundry. These have been classically things that you saw on a bare metal hardware in someone's data center that they own. And then uh, a lot of people are saying, I want to I want to buddy up with Amazon or I want to buddy up with Azure or Google to say, um, I want to run my dev workloads there versus my production workloads because I can be more adaptive to the needs of my developer. Or I just am worried about how spiky the load is against this application. I want to be able to bridge between two locations to give myself the sort of capacity to, to grow, sort of what I've seen. So I'm a global global 2000 CIO, and and I'm you know called you in for a consultation, and and the question is fairly simple. Um, I'm leveraging a single cloud public cloud platform today with some you know scarcity of uh, private clouds and legacy systems that are connected to it. I'm going to move to a public cloud, add some uh, two more br uh, cloud brand names again, probably for the best of breed stuff, the niche based technology stuff. Some do data better, some do machine learning better, things like that. What should I be doing now to prepare for that journey? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the, the biggest thing I think is setting guardrails uh, for uniformity across whatever your workloads are running against, right? So what we end up seeing is, is that be you a serverless workload or a Kubernetes-based workload or a IaaS or PaaS-based workload, um, that there's certain functions that should be true uh, at all points in the in the life cycle of of those applications, and and those sort of broad pillars are around visibility, right? Being able to aggregate and sort and organize by groups, uh, being able to govern well, and which which is just sort of being able to give recommendations and opinions to the lines of business that are operating in those environments to say this is what good security looks like, this is what good tagging hygiene looks like, this is what good budget management could be looking like. And then ultimately trying to lower the bar so that people don't have to think about these things. They, that that it, once you have those guardrails set and people from the outset are used to feeling some pressure to be efficient and to be well-governed, um, that then the business will capitulate into, I will uh, take on the automation of those things. I will allow you to remove snapshots that I haven't looked at in over you know 90 days or a year or whatever it might be. So I think that is the first thing I would recommend to a CIO is that you need to make sure that you have the right best practices in place so that you get the right recommendations and then secondarily that they're broadly applied at provisioning time so that you're not trying to backfill it into a legacy where 
uh, things have already gone sideways. So where is all where is this going? You know, 2020, 2021, obviously the multi-cloud stuff is going to continue, at least based on my research. We're going to need lots of tools to deal with abstraction automation in terms of how we're dealing with that. Um, so, you know, any any surprises next year, the year after that, in terms of multi-cloud evolution? Is it going to speed up, slow down? We're going to reach a saturation point. We just have too much complexity. We have to kind of stop and simplify things and, you know, deal with abstraction automation to kind of push everything behind, you know, a magical you know, a single pane of glass so we can uh, operate this thing at a reasonable amount of time. I mean, where are we going with this stuff? Yeah, I, I see a high-low strategy of forming, which is on the low side, like uh, people want to use, you know, best of breed point tools. They really want their, you know, their, their SecOps people and their BizOps people and whoever is in the, in the environment to be able to uh, really look at what's important to them. But on the high side, I, I think that um, what the future will hold over the next few years is um, that there'll need to be a broad integration strategy at a, a sort of a fundamental level to bring those insights up to the level where you can easily action them. And then, and then when you need to communicate across personas, when, when the security operator realizes that the image that the infra ops person has put out has a security vulnerability, you need a substrate to be able to send those messages and receive confirmation that they've been acknowledged and that they've been resolved. And so I think that high opportunity is sort of bringing the platforms together through integration where you don't displace anything, but rather additively, you, you take those use cases and then share them across the different people who care about them. And so I think in the next two to three years, that's probably the horizon. And then I think two or three years after that, what you'll end up seeing is more of the, the full automation, the consolidation sort of maturity in the, in the tooling so that it's less noisy in the system. But I think first you have to uh, start collaborating and then you can do the automation piece. Okay, and so how do I collaborate? Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways that people want to, right? Because when you look at, um, when you look at a developer and what they're operating in, right? They use an IDE, right? They, they care about GitHub and GitLab and, and, and build dependencies and things like that. And you look at a DevOps person, you see you know, operating on the command line and, and you know, infrastructure code and, and, and doing work there. And as you move up through SecOps and other things, you know, and, and not non-technical personas using, you know, Excel or whatever it is, Tableau and, and Looker and Domo, all those tech types of technologies, um, uh, you need something that brings that story together to collaborate. And so, you know, basic concepts of just being able to share and annotate graph-based views, tabular-based views is sort of the first step but then also sharing in the state of the system, the history of the system, the change controls, you know, how, how we test for uh, what's a healthy system, you know, and gating the releases on things that, are, that represent health. I think the collaboration on those pieces is gonna get richer, as in we will see more uh, constituent personas coming together to, to say, this is a build worthy of going out rather than kind of, you know, on a wing and a prayer, Hey, I shipped it. Now let's go see if it works right or not. And uh, to do that, um, it's a, it, there's a broad variety of tooling that you need in place to do it. And many places it exists in spots. Um, but I think what you'll see is a more holistic approach to how these different people interact with the environment. So how is Cloud Health going to participate in this uh, kind of evolution of the, of the multi-cloud world? Yeah, I think um, we've always been aligned to sort of um, business outcomes and business intent, right? And so the, the goal has always been to um, 
uh, integrate broadly, you know, whatever's popular in the market, let's play with those players because that's what customers want to be using. Um, perform analytics on what we're seeing so that the, the view, the visibility that you have in your environment is in your context with the, the proper recommendations. And then finally, the ability to automate out actions that are uh, frankly tedious, right? So I think those complexities against all these different services um, you know, that you are fighting against. You want to be able to right size. You want to be able to optimize. You want to be able to govern and, and be in compliance correctly. Um, cloud Health, uh, the goal will be to be able to push back and pr to those tools, be them the public clouds or third-party tools, uh, so that you can take those actions smoothly with, with the proper visibility for everybody who cares, and then just removing the friction of having to, well, i got to log into the fourth portal to make that change to the load balancer, right? Like, um, make it so that you can seamlessly sort of drive forward change in your platform with the right controls. So what does a typical cloud health client customer look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's sort of um, the, the SMB style customers, you know, we have oodles of, uh, and then obviously at the enterprise level, um, you know, we have thousands, uh, around 1,000 customers sort of of that size. Um, and what they do in the platform today is, um, bring together the story that we were just describing, right? And, and you know, it's a nascent story for a lot of uh, enterprises uh, because they've grown up mature in sort of their own environment, be that mainframe market or the, or the data center market. Um, and what they're seeing is the value of the cloud, you know, driving efficiencies and driving capabilities for their lines of business. Um, and so they use cloud health to first turn on the lights, right? understand where is all that usage flowing, how to set policies against it, really understand what the view of that system looks like and, and how to operate it. And then as they get comfortable with understanding what the view is in their context, they want to push control down to those teams. So a lot of, uh, of the largest companies in the world will, will say, I don't want a central IT office trying to manage every movement of every workload. It's, it doesn't scale. Um, so they'll use cloud health to give permissions to organizations so that an organization can go in and, and, and fiddle with the data and understand the, what the recommendations are and correct their environment for themselves uh, so that they can get to a position where some of the noise of the system is just eradicated, right? And they know that they see that value because there's cost reduction, there's, uh, you're hiring less developers or operators. Um, it, it shows up in the platform because you're able to configure and manage those, those use cases with relative ease as compared to clicking and, and writing command lines and writing scripts and figuring out how to do it yourself. So where can we learn more about uh, your technology on the web? Yeah, uh, cloudhealthtech.com has a rich you know, uh, background sort of in the classic solutions and, and product uh, view, but what I highly recommend is just sign up for a trial, right? Uh, if, you're, if you're interested, sign up for a trial. We do you know, a couple weeks like everybody else, give you an opportunity to kick the tires on the platform, go into our knowledge base, go into our academy, uh, read the videos, get the training if you want, but then we'll also work with you to set up those classifications, set up that capability so that um, you can see your environment as you see it, you know, sort of mentally. So I, I think that's the best way to do it. And then finally, obviously there's white papers, things that you can download, and then you can contact um, the team, just ask the question, right? Um, you can just, send a, a, a note in off of our website. We, we'll contact you, we'll talk to you about it. Awesome, now you guys should check it out. And so uh, let's leave it there.
So anyway, please pick up a copy of my book, Cloud Computing and Soil Convergence, available on Amazon, any other places books are sold. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter at, at David Linthicum, L-I-N-T-H-I-C-U-M, as well as LinkedIn, where I have several cloud computing courses on LinkedIn Learning. I used to be lynda.com. John, where can we find you on the web? Well, I'm at JTM on Twitter because I got in early. Um, so that's always a good place you can tweet at me. Um, otherwise, you know, I uh, kind of bounce around through the Cloud Health website. You can reach me at uh, jmclaughlin at vmware.com too. Good deal. Reach out to James. You want some more information on Cloud Health and what these guys do? They obviously place a. Uh, they obviously pick a good place to have their office space. So that's I. That's my. Uh, that's my key metric. But they have good technology as well. So until next time, best of luck in building your cloud computing solutions. We'll talk at you very soon. Cheers. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Cloud, please check out the other ones. Removing hybrid and multi-cloud complexity is the focus of a report that David wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about taking IT to the next level, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.